Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today on this beautiful Wisconsin spring day. Amen? No? Oh, yeah, Wisconsin. You like that? Come on. Don't you know, Dre? It's great, great. Yeah, you like that. It's great to see you guys today. We've, we've got some, some new uh, uh, couple, Steve, that was uh, just here doing the guest and the greeting announcement piece. And uh, he and his wife, Shannon, moved here from uh, uh, the south uh, back in August. When I said, this is how the weather is almost year-round. And uh, so, you know, we had this, like, nice Easter and, and all of that. And then everything, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, it's this cold snap, right? We know this is going to pass. Well, Shannon's like, oh, dear God, where did, where did spring go? And I said, it's gone. It's already gone. Sorry. We're back into another cycle like this. It'll get warmer around the 4th of July, but don't worry about it. So if you see them, just make sure you uh, uh, be nice to them. They're bundled up today. So um, anyhow, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really, 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 uh, really great to, to be here. and, to, and to, I, I love just getting to hang out. And uh, with the uh, Life Church family, and to be a part of what God's doing. And something that is really cool about one of the things I get to do as a pastor is that every spring we have our Life Leadership College, which is an extension site academically for Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie, which is just South Dallas in essence. It's actually the Metroplex is growing. Dallas is growing by 1,000 people a week right now. There'll be 6 million people in the next 10 years. It's, it's nuts. And so that area just keeps getting larger and larger. And so uh, the university that we're connected with that our kids uh, from LLC graduate from, it's a fully accredited, regionally accredited uh, um, four-year degree program. They have a graduate program and a, and a doctoral program as well, but the undergraduate degree. It's so we go there, and that's where they actually graduate from. And uh, so this past week, I was able to zip down and um, to go to Dallas and we go to dinner and have a good time, and, and you have to have good, good steak and barbecue if you're in, in Texas, and Tex-Mex, sour cream, chicken, enchiladas. So that's another story for another day. But uh, Joey um, Ketchum is a student that graduated this spring, and there's a picture of him that's going to be here after graduation uh, that's going to be up on the screen. There it is. That's Joey and I right after graduation at, at Southwestern. And uh, I just want to tell you just a little bit about Joey. Thanks, guys. You can take that down. Uh, just about Joey for a second, because your generosity and giving to Greater and what you do and with LLC, uh, it helps students just like Joey, who came to Life Church when he was 13. No family attends church. Uh, really didn't want anything to do with church, and um, he came and found Christ, and really found a meaningful relationship. Came up in the youth ministry, felt called into vocational ministry, went into LLC. Quite frankly, if it wasn't for an opportunity like Life Leadership College that afforded him the opportunity to have a bachelor's degree in church leadership and ministry uh, that's fully accredited, but at the price point in which we give it, which is half, all the other students that he's walking the line with that went to the brick and mortar, uh, he paid half. So LLC students are right below $50,000 for a four-year degree. Uh, those other kids are paying around $100,000 to $120,000 for that same degree. And uh, he's able to go and graduate. The first one in his family to graduate college. It's a kid from Germantown. And uh, it was so cool just to be there, to champion him, to take him to dinner and just speak as the church and just say, we love you and we're proud of you and your church family. Uh, 
we were the ones that were there. There was no other family that was there. And uh, that's because of you. And so I just want to just, if you see Joey, first of all, I want you just to congratulate him. And uh, he is, uh, right now, he's, he's getting into a final interview. Uh, there's uh, several different churches uh, that have pursued him, uh, large churches, uh, that uh, because of his work here, he's been working with me kind of as a personal assistant for the last 18 months, taking me to the airport, picking me up, doing different things, hanging out, uh, doing different stuff in his senior year. And um, so uh, he's got some pretty cool opportunities uh, in the upper Midwest, and, in the, and there's an air, a church in the south, and so they're all kind of vying for him. And so he's in, he's in a very cool season right now that he's never quite been in before. But it's just so cool to see that happen. And uh, it wasn't very long after that that, uh, again, he's a college graduate. And I said, man, things are going to begin to happen in your life, and you're going to be very attractional at this level. And Joey's a single young man, and so this has happened. I turned around, and this was the next picture that we got was of Joey and these girls. <laughs> God bless Texas. And so, anyhow, yeah, that's him. So uh, I had to have another conversation with him. You guys can take that down. I had to have another conversation with him and that kind of a deal. So I said, you're not quite the man that you think you are, so let's talk about this. But uh, anyhow, so today I want to finish out this series on confessions. And uh, I want to talk to you about discouragement. Um, I know on a day like today, that's probably not exactly the subject that you want to, because everybody, the, the cold and the rain and all of that. Um, but if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to get there in just a minute. Um, but I want to talk about this, because I think it's, first of all, we all experience it. Because discouragement is this, this feeling of being down, this, this, this emotion uh, this mental state, uh, this, uh, this, this state, and it can have physical ramifications in our life of just feeling like this didn't work out the way I thought it would, or I didn't get the job, I didn't make the team, I didn't make the cut. I thought at this stage in my life I would be here and I'm not there and where I wanted to be, or, um, you know, uh, they're, they're doing a series of layoffs at work and I'm part of those people that they're, they're laying off and I'm losing my job. Uh, I... Uh, uh, I've, I've made some poor choices and some poor decisions, and all of a sudden I find myself really behind the, the proverbial eight ball, and I, and I don't really know what to do. That's that whole feeling of being down, being discouraged, being feeling like that there's, there's a loss of hope. Um, and, uh, and in times of discouragement, we, we tend to either want to give up. I'm just done. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. Uh, whether it's God or the church or a marriage or a relationship or a friendship or pursuing a dream, you know, um, we want to give in. I, I just, I, I can't fight this any longer. I, I can't do this anymore. The, the, the struggle. And so addictive behaviors, uh, things that we're trying to change in our life, habits, uh, controlling issues uh, that may or may not be sinful, but we're, we, we just kind of give in. I, I can't say no to the chocolate cake anymore. I'm just going to eat the whole thing. Um, you know, I'm going to give, and, and we're, we give out. I just, I'm just tired. I, I'm just, I am completely worn out. I cannot fight this battle anymore. Um, and I think it's important to talk about this because I think, I think here's the thing. I grew up in church my whole life. And the one thing I did not want to do with my life is what, God asked me to do and what I'm doing, and that's pastor a church. This was never my idea. 
My idea was I either wanted to become an attorney or I wanted to become a business guy. And I just wanted to, to go in and I knew I could talk. So I can sell ice to an Eskimo. So I'll use that gift and that ability. I don't have a lot of gifts, but that's one thing I can do. That's why I talk so long. And, uh, but I'll just talk and I'll do this and I'll go to business. And I, I love Jesus and I love the church and I want to be a part of it. But they're just... I don't, I just saw things and heard things and was around, and I wasn't raised in a minister's home. My, my dad's a, a factory worker, and, uh, uh, and I just, but I just was like, I just would see people fight and, dis, and disagree over things that had no eternal consequence, and I was just, I just, it was never anything I wanted to do. My senior year in high school, uh, the church that I grew up in split, which means half the people got mad at the pastor, the other people were okay with the pastor, and so there was this horrible vote on the pastor, and it was this nasty deal, and it was just half the people left, and, and uh, it just was just, and the church has never rebounded. I mean, that was, that was in 1989. The church never rebounded. Uh, and today, I, 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 got an, I saw, I had a friend tell me a, few, a, couple, a couple years ago that the church literally had not the money to roof a part of the building need to be re-roofed uh, because there's so few people that attend church there. I think there's 30 or 40 people today. I don't know how they keep the doors open. And I just sit there and just go, when I think back on my time growing up, and, and again, it wasn't always that way, but it digressed to that, it just became so plastic. It, it just became this whole cheesy Christianity thing where everybody has these real plastic answers and these real easy antidotes and these real easy solutions. And nobody wants to ask tough questions. Nobody really wants to talk about it. And there's all this pomp and circumstance. There's just things we just don't do. And there's just things that we just... And, and so there's the clergy and there's the laity and there's us and there's you and there's all of this. And it's just like, what? I don't see any of this in Scripture. I mean, when you look even at the New Testament... Most of the times that you're reading the words of Jesus, he's teaching the disciples more in a small group setting or he's having a one-on-one -on -one conversation or with a handful of people. There's very few recorded sermons that Jesus ever preached. Matter of fact, there's only one completely recorded sermon that Jesus ever preached. That was long. Amen. But, but, but it, there's only one. Most of these, in Luke's gospel alone, there's almost two dozen times where Jesus is at the table eating. He's at the table reclining. He's, and in every one of these type of deals, it's, it's built around conversation. It's built around relationship. There's all of this deal where there's real-life questions with real-life people. Matter of fact, the religious people today, the issues that they have with Jesus is that he was so real. He, he, was, he was so real. I think Thomas Rhett has a song called, If I Could Have a Beer with Jesus. I think that would really happen in the first century. Not that Jesus would have a beer, but, but the idea behind the song is that, is that if I could just sit down and talk to someone that's real, there's a couple questions that I have to ask. And I think we all do that. I know I do. And the older that I get and the longer that I get and the more degrees that I have in theology, the more that I have questions. Not about God or is he Jesus the son of God or is he coming back or, or is the Bible true? No, no, no. I believe that more and more and more and more and more. I believe, and I think that we have to believe. Matter of fact, I just read an article, I posted it this week on Twitter, that, that society, that the secular society is saying they have no use for a church that does not believe that the Bible is inspired and infallible and inerrant. And we believe that the Bible is inspired, which means that the words that you're reading on the pages are God's word to us that was written by the hands of men through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That it's infallible, which means it never fails. It always works at any place, at any time, in any group of people. And that it's inerrant, which means there are, there are no errors in the text. If you want to get into a theological debate about discrepancies on nuances of, of, of various verbs from the Greek to the Hebrew, I would be happy to sit down and talk to you about that. Because that, 
but it does not matter. The essence is, is that it's infallible, inspired, and inerrant. It's God's word. And so the, so, so the thing is, I, I believe all of that. I just think that there are times where we need to be honest and real as a church, honest and real as Christ followers, honest and real about people. There's some of you here today, you're not Christ followers. You're kicking tires. You lost a bet. Somebody, you want, you're trying to get somebody off your back, and so you finally go to church with them today. And what's happening in this moment is like, oh, my goodness, I thought I'd get this little plastic, cheesy Christianette sermon, and I could just kind of peace out Girl Scout and go on with my way. And this guy's going to get all up in my business, I am, and rattle some pots and pans today. Yep. Because I think that's where Jesus lives. I think that's where the Bible is. I think that's where we should live. And I, I think this ideology of plastic Christianity with these little easy pat answers, it, life doesn't work that way. It's complicated. It's messy. Do you live in the real world like I do? I'm just joking. Yes, you do. We all deal with this. And so I think from the, the bottom line is that this should be a place, if any place we should be able to come and ask questions, it should be the church. If any place we should be able to be real and honest, it should be the church. Are there things in the Bible that I don't like? Sure. I, there are things about, like, gluttony, about not eating buffets and overeating. I don't like any of that stuff. Do I wish God would change that? Yes. Does he? No. So I got to watch myself. I rickety, rickety wreck myself. You know what I'm talking about? I, that's what I got to do. And the same way with you, there are passages of Scripture you don't like because it rubs you the wrong way. And it pushes you in a way that you don't want to. And it's in those points... It's in those tensions that you either avoid it and you become apathetic and you eject yourself or you lean into it and you allow the friction and sometimes even the pain that causes in your life to produce the godliness that you desire and that God desires in you. But it's not easy. And in that journey, you're going to find discouragement. In that journey, you're going to find times of wanting to give in because you give out or you're just going to simply give up. What do you do in those moments? Well, here's what I do. I always go back to what did God tell me to do. Now, that happens in two ways. One is we know the voice of we're Christ's follower. We know the voice of the Holy Spirit. So we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And there are times where God says, hey, I think you need, and you feel like, I thought I was supposed to take this job. I really felt like this is where God wanted us to move. I really felt like this is what was supposed to happen. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to marry this person. I feel like blah, 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 blah. So then if that's the case... All of these problems are not necessarily situations that God didn't see. You may not have seen them, but God knew about them. Because God's never in the heavenlies going, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, bro, you're jacked up on this one. Sorry, man. Man, I made a mistake. Yeah, you should have went left, you went right. Ah, figure it out and come back to me because I don't really understand this one myself. It's never that. It's always God knows exactly and orders and directs your steps. So what does he say? And in my life, when I want to quit, when I want to give up, when I want to give in, one of the things I do is I go right back to God. This is what you said to do. And one of the greatest ways to do this is go right back to his word. That's why I'm saying it's infallible. It's inspired. It's inerrant. Go back to the word of God. Lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, you would fall. So what does God's word say? And that's what I want to do today. Paul gives us this, this, this piece of, there's four verses here in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. There's these four verses that he gives us. That if you're dealing with discouragement and you're looking for, and you need peace in a situation in your life, here's how to accomplish that. Um, You've got to remember when Paul's writing this, he is in a Roman 
jail cell, so a dungeon in essence, reeking of open sewage, rats, the whole deal. He is um, imprisoned as a Roman citizen, and he's doing this for the cause of Christ because he believes he'll get to basically get to appeal his case to Caesar and really believes that he can, in essence, bring Caesar to faith in Jesus Christ and change the Roman Empire. What Constantine will do later, he believes he can do at that point in time. So he's going through all this pain. He's going through all this discomfort. He's going through all of this. And in the middle of all of this, he writes these words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men that the Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He basically says, look, there's four choices that you're going to have to make, these, passages, these, these verses. Walk us through four decisions that we have to make when we're facing discouragement, when we feel like we're going to give up or give out or give in. First of all, I've got to choose to rejoice. I've got to choose to rejoice. That's a choice. These four things that he gives us, these are not things that God does. These are things that we have to do. I have to choose to rejoice. Verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. That word rejoice means to have joy in. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit of God. It's not a gift of the Spirit. So there's giftings of the Holy Spirit, and there are, there are fruits of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit are just like a gift. If I give you a gift, you didn't buy it, you didn't earn it, I just gave it to you because I wanted to. There's no effort on your part. A fruit in your life is something that you have to plant, grow, develop, nurture in your life. Joy according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, is one of those fruits, not gifts of the Spirit, which means you have to fight for it. You have to, the same way you would go and you would plant an apple tree and you would nurture it and you would develop it and you would, and you would work with it and you would prune it and you, you would make sure that it was taken care of in order for it to produce apples is the same way that you have to do with joy in your life. You have to plant it. You have to water it. You have to nurture it. You have to prune it. You have to take care of it. It's a character development issue. And Paul says, you have to choose to have joy. You have to choose to have joy. You have to choose to have joy in. What do you have joy in? He says, in the Lord. Now, this is interesting because it's not have joy in God. It's have joy in the Lord. Well, I thought the Lord was God. He is God. But we have to understand that God is a deity, that God is ne not necessarily, just because I acknowledge that there is a God doesn't mean I believe in him or that I serve him. Just because I believe in the God of the Hebrew or of the Jew, which, uh, which is the same God of, of us as Christians, because we believe then that, that we're a part of that lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the promise of Israel, and that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. That's, the only, that's where we differ from Jews, is that the Jews are still looking for the Messiah, and we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I can acknowledge all of those things and God or Jesus still not be Lord. But to use the word Lord means that I have a personal relationship, which means he is my Lord. It's personified. It's personalized. It's, 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 it's an ideology. It's a frame of mind. It's a choice in my heart that I've asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And so I'm not having just joy in God or joy in a higher power, or joy in some transcendental whatever that is. I, I, I 
am choosing to have joy in the Lord. And again, he says, always. There's this repetitiveness of over and over and over and over. I've got to choose to develop that gift of the Holy Spirit, which means I have the power to, I have the ability to, I've got all the seeds and all the ingredients to, but I've got to work that gift, excuse me, that character, that fruit in my life, and again, on a regular basis, to have my joy that's in the Lord. Why is it in the Lord? Because in a world that's changing, in a world that's unstable, in a world that there is instability and that there are no certainties, in anybody or anything, the only thing that is immovable and steadfast that changes not is the Lord. So my hope is not built on the economy. My hope is not built on a political system. My hope is not built on you as brothers and sisters in Christ. My hope isn't built in the church. My hope is built in the Lord. If my hope is built in you, I'm never going to say anything that's ever going to upset you. I want to keep my job. I want to pay my bills. I want to make everybody happy. But if my hope isn't built in you, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about him. If my hope is built in, in him, not in you, I understand that there's going to be one day I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to give an account for everything that I've said on this platform and I'm going to give an account for everything I've done in my life. Not to you, but to him. And so my joy is not found in you. My joy is not found in the church. My joy is not found in, in my accomplishments. My joy is not found in my relationships. My joy is not found in any of those things. My joy is found in the Lord. And sometimes that's where we get messed up a little bit. We think, well, my joy will be found in that bass boat. Right? Oh, come on. Hunting, fishing, hunting every day. That's a prayer that a country boy prays, right? Come on, all right. So, so I'm just saying, so I, I, or my, 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 my joy is found in swipe. Where I'm going to light that mall up today. Swipe, swipe. There's a sale going on at Nordstrom's. Swipe. That's where I'm going, Kohl's. I got me some Kohl's cash, girl. I'm going to spend it. Right? Or my joy is in I'm getting a new house. Or my joy is I'm going to get a new car. My joy is I'm, I got a new job. My joy is I'm going to move from one place to another. I'm going to move from the snowy upper Midwest. You people talk about moving more than anybody I've ever met in my life. I'm going to move from the snowy upper Midwest to the south only to get down there and it's so stinking hot and sweaty and sticky that you go, I just want to get back to Wisconsin. That's why I'm here. I'm telling you, I figured this thing out. So I'm, my, my point, we have our joy in all these things, or we try to, and they are always empty because they never have the ability to be immovable and steadfast and unchanging. The only thing that has that is the Lord. But that's your choice. God's not going to zap you with that. It's a choice that you make. Second choice he says that we make is the choice to relax. This is the hardest one for me. I know it's hard for you to imagine. Verse 5, he says, Let your gentleness be known to all men that the Lord is at hand. Gentleness, again, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a mild manner of dealing with other people. A kindred word with gentleness is meekness, which is power under control. I have the ability to crush you, but I choose to power down and to humble myself and be crushed by you before I respond and react to you. And when you're discouraged, it's very easy to lash out. It's very easy to be irritable. It's very easy to be mopey. It's very easy to be, you know, kind of like Eeyore in the Winnie the Pooh series. You know, oh, Pooh. 
right? It's very easy to be, you know, I'm going to go outside and eat worms. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. You just don't understand. Nobody knows my sorrow. The old hee-haw show. Bloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Oh, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. We have all this stuff. And the reality is, is that Paul says, no. No, 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 no. You have to choose to relax. You've got to choose to cool your jets. You've got to choose to do this. And not just with people that know you, but with all manner of people. Why? Because people are watching you. People are watching you. I mean, it's interesting because sometimes as a pastor, there are so many times where I'm, I'm just, I'm out and about just doing life and that kind of a deal. And I'll have someone, like, like I'll be in a restaurant and uh, eating dinner with my family or whatever. And, uh, at the end of the at the end of the uh, the meal, the waiter or the waitress will say, "It's been a pleasure to wait on you, Pastor Aaron." Oh, because there are more people that know me than I know them, and not because I like that, just because this is the dynamic that it is. And I'm thinking, you know, I need to make sure, you know, I'm I'm pretty okay because I try to treat people nice and all that kind of a deal. But at the end of the day, there are more people watching you than what you realize. People that see you in church, people that connect with you. I was traveling with somebody from Life Church one time, and they slipped away. I was in an airport, and they slipped away to a bathroom. And I am sitting there waiting. We're getting ready to board this plane, and I'm sitting there, and I hear this, these young professionals talking about this individual that I'm, t- I'm traveling with. I mean, they're commenting on They know everything. I was just like, and this person had no clue who they were, and they had no clue who I was. Like, they didn't see us together until, that, until they walked up, and then... They kind of looked at me, and I kind of smiled and looked at them. And then we, got on, we boarded the plane together. And uh, you just don't know who's watching you. Paul says that your gentleness be known to all people. Live your life in such a way that it's all being recorded. Live your life in such a way that somebody is, is taking a picture. Live your life in such a way. And I know that's much easier preached than done. But you have to choose that here's how I'm going to do. This is not necessarily natural, but I'm going to choose to be gentle. I'm going to choose to have meekness. I'm going to choose not to become irritable or, or have an attitude or to have my right to gripe. But I'm just going to humble myself in this way. Third choice, he says in verse 6, is to release the situation. Whatever it is to give it to God. Whatever you're discouraged about, give it to God. Whatever it is that you're upset about, give it to God. Whatever it is that you're battling, give it to God. Be anxious for nothing. Have no anxiety over anything. Don't worry about anything. That's what that means. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you know that the scripture says that those of us that are Christ followers, we are to worry about zero, nothing? That it's actually a sin to worry? Why is it a sin to worry? Because you either trust God or you don't. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It either is true or it's not. And every time that we pick up worry, and every time we pick up anxiety, and every time we pick up those cares and concerns, what we're saying is, God, you can't handle this. God, you need my help. It's pretty arrogant. But that's actually what our actions are saying. And so Paul says, no, 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 no. You've got to choose to be anxious about nothing, to worry about nothing. So what do I do with it, Aaron? Because I'm carrying this stuff, and I'm feeling this stuff, and these are real emotions. He says right there, let everything be made known to who? Your friend? No. To the pastor? No. To the priest? No. To whom? To God. 
Why do you not tell the friend or the coworker or, or the pastor or the priest? Not, not that you can't talk to people, but, but why do you not make those anxieties known to everybody? Because they don't have the ability to fix you. You can come talk to me all day long and I can tell you what I think, but, but I'm just a person. You can go confess to the priest all day long, but he's just a person. You can go talk to a shrink or you can go talk to a therapist or, or a counselor, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. Matter of fact, I do it on a regular basis. But, but the reality is, is that they are only going to be able to help you learn how to be self-aware, self-reflect, and process through. But they don't have the answers. The only person that can change your situation, my situation, that you're facing or that I'm facing is God. So just go to the source. God, you told me to go here. God, you directed me there. God, you asked this of me here. God, I'm surrendering myself here. God, I never wanted this, but this is the deal. God, I thought this is what I'm supposed to do. God, I don't understand why I'm feeling this. God, here's what's going on. And so when I go to him with prayer and with supplication, which means to pray and then pray some more, and I don't go as a gripe session. He says, go with thanksgiving. God, I'm grateful and I'm thankful for all that you've done. God, I'm grateful and I'm thankful for all that you're doing. God, I'm grateful and thankful that I had the opportunity to be able to come before you and boldly approach the throne of grace, that I can obtain mercy at any day or time. But I'm struggling right now. Let your request be made known to God because he's the only one that can help you. He's the only one that can do this. And when you do that, then there's the fourth choice, and that's to receive. Right there in verse 7. To receive. Receive what? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Once you have went to the Lord and you've chosen to rejoice. And you've chosen to relax. And you've chosen to release the discouragement. The feeling of giving up, giving out, giving in then it's your opportunity to receive the peace of God that passes understanding. Peace, again, is not a gift of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. How do I get peace? By going through discouragement and trusting Jesus. Is it fun? Nope. Do you want peace? That's how you get it. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it will guard your heart. That word guard in the original language of the Greek is the same word we get the word for umpire. When you watch baseball and you see the umpire behind home plate, that's what the peace of God does in your life. It calls a strike a strike and a ball a ball, it calls it with unreal certainty. And if you want to fight against it, you're out. Peace of God. The certainty that you're looking for, that's how you get it. The solid ground, that's how you get it. That the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, guard your heart. That word, that phrase, surpasses all understanding. This is one of the things that I love. It's, it's you know, a natural area of peace would be like a, a spa or like just a nice quiet day or a quiet afternoon. But supernatural is when you have peace in the middle of a storm. When everything's going crazy around you, but yet you're calm and you're peace in the middle of that. 
That's what God's talking about. That the storm may still be raging for a while. The winds and the waves may still blow and toss. But at the end of the day, there is peace. There is, there, there, there's a knowledge. There's an understanding because God's there. And, and that peace will surpass all of your understanding. So here's what I mean by that. And here's what he's saying by that. Is that I, we serve a God that is so much bigger than us. We serve a God that's so much greater than us that I see him and I know him, and I, and I, I, but, but I don't completely get it. I, I don't know how all this works. And again, I, I don't believe we should check our brains at the door, but I do believe this side of eternity, the Bible says that we know in part and we see in part and we understand in part, which means we don't get the full enchilada, right? We, we, we don't get the whole thing. We, we, we get part of it. Part of it is because God's infinite, which means he has no beginning, no ending. And so trying to understand something that's infinite is beyond us because we're finite. We have a beginning and an ending. So we're limited, God's limitless. Let me say it like this. It's like when I'm an eight-year-old boy and I'm looking at my dad. I understand that he's my father and I understand he's my dad, but I don't know how everything completely works. I see a man who, when I look at his hands, I can see he's got hands that they're, they're, they're large and, and there's veins and, and there's a certain that my hands don't possess. But that's what, that's what strong hands look like. And, and I see a man whose upper body and his, 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 the way he's built, that he is able to carry a load that I want to carry, but my frame isn't there yet. And I don't completely understand how it works, but I see it. And I, and I hear the way he walks. There's a solidness that when my dad walks across that floor, you know he's arisen. <laughs> he's up. And, and I want to walk that way, but the frame and the build of my body is not quite that heavy. And I watch and I see how his face can be like flint and he can just go at something. And I don't have that look yet because life hasn't taken me to the place that I have that ability just with a certain amount of a warrior-like attitude to go through life and to deal with what I deal with. But I see it and I get it and I know he's powerful and I know he's greater than I am and it, it's beyond me. That's what it is as a child of God to serve God and to receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. I understand it in here. I just don't completely get it out here. I see his power. I see his hand. I see him working. I hear that booming voice. And my voice isn't there yet. And my hands are not there yet. And my size is not there yet. And my face is not there yet. But I want that. And I desire that. And it's that that's beyond me. But that's my dad. And he's got it all under control. And there's a peace that I have in that. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard and umpire your heart. So it's a choice. Do you receive that or do you want to keep living in the same anxiety and discouragement and depression? You go, well, it's just not easy. No, it's not easy, but it's, it is that simple. The Bible either works or it doesn't work. Church may not always work for you. And what I mean by that is because church is perfect before you showed up, right? We're people. Church is made up of people and we're all imperfect. And if you haven't gotten hurt in church, you will. Not because church is intensely trying to hurt you, but it's just people. And everybody's on a different journey and on a different path. And we look around the room and we think, well, everybody's saved, so everybody should be nice. No, not everybody's saved. And even sometimes saved people cannot be nice. Why? Because we're human. We make mistakes. We're fallible. So we don't put our eyes upon each other. We don't put our eyes upon the pastor. God help us all. We put our eyes upon Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And we make a choice. Am I going to choose to receive this peace that God's got for me? 
Am I going to choose to release the situation that's bothering me? Am I going to relax and operate with gentleness and meekness in my life? And am I going to choose to rejoice even in the middle of a very difficult situation? That's what it means to have that discouragement dispelled in your life. So if you're unpeaceful today, if you are uneasy today, there, there's, either, there's two reasons. Either number one, you need Jesus in your life, and you're not a Christ follower. Well, how do I do that? Do I join the church? Do I give an offering? No, 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 no. Real simple. Accept, believe, and confess that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says that he is. Accept, believe, and confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Accept, believe, and confess that Jesus Christ is that Savior. And just ask him to come into your heart. It's that simple. The other reason why you're not experiencing the peace of God and you're walking through discouragement is because you're a Christ follower, but you refuse to follow the Bible. And if you want to walk out those doors the same way you walked in, that's your business. Because my job isn't to police your life or to be the morality police. My job is to simply present the truth of God's word through the, uh, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit and allow you to deal with it the way you want to deal with it. Because I'm telling you, when I'm done preaching today, I'm going to go have a real nice fatty lunch, and then I'm going to go have myself a nap and watch golf. You understand? And if you want to wrestle with this stuff, that's your business, but you don't have to. But many times as Christians, as Christ followers, we know what we ought to do, but we don't do it. We know what God's word says, but we have these buts. Quit wrestling. Is it easy to always walk this out? No. Is it simple? Yes. Yes. And so today, if there's a situation or circumstance, I'm just going to pray that God's just going to give you peace. But you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice that you are going to simply walk through this passage and rejoice and relax and release and receive and give this discouragement up. That's your choice.